I've been teaching this, this series called The Blessing of the House. The Blessing of the House. I want to read again uh, two passages from the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 27 and verse 4. David writes here, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. <laughs> if you stop right there, you, wouldn't you wonder, what is that one thing? You just want one? He said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In other words, whatever happens in the house of the Lord is so good and seeing the Lord's beauty is so desirable and to inquire of him, it makes everything else pale in comparison to that. That's all I want. And again, that makes me ask, what did he see? What did he experience that caused him to make a statement that not a lot of people are making today? Yeah, they squeeze God in and being a part of the house is just one of the things they do instead of the thing they would sacrifice everything else to obtain. In uh, Psalm 84 then in verse 4, 84, 4, he writes, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So the blessing of the Lord then is so rich in the house that people have good reason to continually praise God. Some praise God and then that only lasts for a minute. Those who are not dwelling in the house, in other words, they have infrequent manifestations of themselves in the house of God. They praise and then they complain. Why? Well, there's just a lot of things in life that are wrong. But the one who connects permanently and dwells in the house has reason to praise God still. They're still praising. They're still giving God glory. They, they still have a, a note of victory in their lives. And so we can see that this is all connected to the house of the Lord. And as we've said before, the New Testament translation of that is the local church. The house of God is the church of God. And so uh, we can see that this Blessing is associated with our connection, our participation in what God is doing in the church. All right? If you know this is the case, then, well, wisdom would suggest that we take advantage of it personally, make it a dwelling place, and allow a permanent blessing to flow into life. If we know this is the case, it also makes sense to encourage other people who are not dwelling in the house of the Lord to get in there as soon as possible. Why? Well, if you really like them, if you're really friendly, if you're really generous towards them, you want to experience what you have. Amen. Amen. It's kind of like, I, you know, I've heard in, in, recent, in recent years uh, people talking about uh, investments of different kinds and specifically people talking about making money in digital currencies and so forth. Well, what, is, what does someone do when they put their money in one of these investments and they, they see their, their money go up? Well, they start talking to all their friends about it. <laughs> they start saying, hey, I made 50%. I made this huge gain. You ought to do it too. Right? I mean, you want to kind of spread the blessing around, share the love. Yeah? Well, when you see what God is doing and how his house has an impact in your life, that should be a natural response. I've got to tell you about this. You've got to get in there too. You've got to experience what I do. It's amazing. It works for everybody. Yes. And this is the reality of what God wants to do. 
Let me say it this way. If there were in here such a thing as a front row blessing, okay? Now, I'm making this up just for illustrative purposes. I'm not aware of a front row blessing other than extra anointed showers <laughs> when the preacher gets excited. Other than that blessing, which we have scripture to say sometimes people get healed because of that. <laughs> uh, but I'll stand back a little bit. Uh, if there were such a thing as, we had a verse that said, if you sit in the front row, you're double blessed. Your finances go up, you're happier, you're, all these things happen. How many know you would only get that blessing if you were sitting in the front row? Okay? You couldn't sit in the fifth row and say, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and claim the front row blessing from my fifth row seat. Right? You couldn't sit in the very back and say, well, I just believe that God loves me just as much as he does those front row people. And say, and because of that, I just think I'm going to be just as blessed as the front row people. No, that wouldn't work. You understand I'm hypothetically speaking here. This is an illustration. This doesn't, isn't real. Okay, so back row people, chill. Fifth, fifth row people, relax. If it were the case, it's just a natural, uh, logical conclusion that you would have to sit in the front row to get the front row blessing. Everybody with me? All right. Now, that principle is, is logical when it comes to the blessing of the house. You don't just, uh, I don't have to be there. I don't have to engage. I'll just get it from where I am. No, that kind of blessing doesn't work unless you are there, connected, apart. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, amen. I don't see, now let me say this. There's an in Christ blessing. That's something else. I'm not saying if someone's outside of the house that they have zero connection with God or zero. No, there's an in Christ blessing that is true for all believers. Anyone who's saved is inherently blessed. But have you ever noticed some people who are blessed don't look blessed? But you can show them scriptures. I can show you scriptures. And the, if, I found, if I found the worst story in here today, I mean, present, active, it's happening right now, the worst story of anyone here. I could show you scriptures to say your life is amazing. <laughs> but, but practically, the outworking of that might be distant from your feelings, from your experience. That means God is giving us ways. He's given us methods to take what is inherently ours in Christ and making it real, making it manifest, making it our experience. So there's a blessing in Christ but there's a practical manifestation or outworking of that blessing that takes place when we do what he says to do. In this case, when we connect with what he says to connect with, when we are actively a part of the house, the, the local church. Now, when I study the scripture, I don't see, for example, a stay-at-home blessing. I'm just shooting you straight, just telling you like it is, right? I don't see a stay-at-home blessing. I don't mean you're not still in Christ at home. I just don't see that this is how you get it. I don't see a scripture that 
explains the, the go fishing blessing. <laughs> right? The go skiing blessing. In other words, replace, but I do see one that says those who dwell in the house, they are blessed beyond measure to the point that they keep praising God every day of their life. I do see that. So I want to proclaim what I know. I want to say what's real. I want to say what the Lord says. And he does say that about what we're doing here. So uh, the blessing of the Lord again works for those who are in it in the house, who are a part of it, who are cooperating with what is happening here. God associates big time blessings with the local church. Watch, with the ministry of a pastor. That gift was designed to cause blessings to abound in people's lives. It just really was. If that seems like I'm tooting my own horn, I'm, I'm just, I have to tell you this. <laughs> right? I would be neglecting my responsibility if I didn't tell you, all right? Uh, there's a blessing, a big-time blessing associated with the connection, the interweaving of relationships that happens in the body of Christ, brothers, sisters in Christ. God uses that to manifest his will and his blessings. So anytime we separate from the church, from the pastoral ministry, from the believers, anytime we disconnect from that, we are, in essence, cutting off a supply of God's spirit towards our lives. So it's just not smart. Yes. Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. Smart people do smart things. And they say, oh, this is what it says. This is going to work in my life too. I think of it sometimes like, uh, like an umbrella. I happen to have one here. <laughs> in case it rains or in case Will Smith showed up to church. <laughs> Back off. I'm just kidding you. What, what, what I appreciate you laughing because, uh, you know, those things are risky. Uh, but why, why do we use an umbrella? We use an umbrella typically to keep the rain off of us, right? Maybe in some situations you'd use them to block sun and uh, keep the, the sun off of you. But what, what you want is you want your condition to be minimally or not at all affected by what's happening out there. If it's raining, I don't want to get wet. I can use one of these to keep the rain off of me, right? Or to keep me protected from sun in, in some situations. Uh, this is, this is quite, uh, quite similar to what the Lord had in mind with the blessing of the local church. Okay, we live in a world that's fallen, that is cursed. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of dangers. There's uh, a lot of people are suffering because the, the world has a lot of issues. What is he desiring to do in our lives? Well, not take us out of here. I mean, no, we don't. Otherwise, that would seem like a good plan. The moment you accept Jesus, you go to heaven. <laughs> No longer a problem. No, he wants us to remain, be a light, be a witness, and live for him with his, with his, bless, with his blessings in our lives. And so he has given us things to connect to, participate in, that will help us to uh, stay safe from all the junk in the world. He's given us, one of those things is the house. When you're in it, it might be raining, 
There might be stormy, there might be uh, uh, you know, things out there that affect you in a negative way, but they're not touching you. You're protected from that. Everybody with me today? Okay. Uh, I don't think that uh, a lot of people realize the full extent of how their connection with the house of God is protecting, sustaining, enabling them to live at a high level. They sometimes think this is just natural, normal, this is the way I live. But when they step out from underneath that blessing, hell breaks loose. All of a sudden, the rain gets on them. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, things go south. Sometimes they still don't make the connection. But I've seen this so many times. As people are doing well, they're, they're like, I don't mean they have a perfect life. They're still in the world, but not of it. But so many things are being shielded from them. And then they disconnect. They think, oh, I'm fine without it. And I've got this other thing. And they go out and their marriage starts going down. They go out and they start having, but it doesn't happen all at once. So it's a little bit deceptive. But things start, go, start trending south. And over a, a period of time, their life is far from what it used to be. It's like, what happened to you? Where are the blessings of God? Well, you disconnected from something God was using to sustain you, to, to strengthen you, to propel you higher, to keep the gunk and bunk of this fallen world out of your life. And so it's a, it's a really serious issue in that regard. We want to keep ourselves under the blessing of the house. You know, some of what happens, I, I, I've experienced this way. When I first uh, finished Bible college, uh, the Lord dealt with me. I was stirred in my heart to help out, to, to serve and help out with this uh, event in Oklahoma called Camp Meeting. It was a huge event with many thousands of people and and I was no one. I wasn't a preacher at that time. I was not in ministry, but I was just stirred to help out. And so I, I said, I'll help. I actually helped in a couple areas. I'll help usher, and I'll help in what they called the prayer room. That was helping people who got saved uh, and filled with the Spirit. Uh, okay? And so, and so one night, I'm there, and I'm, the, I'm on the team, and a bunch of people came down, responded to the call uh, to be saved and or filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was just a part of the group, and we took them back to the room, and there was a big group, and the leader uh, spoke to the whole group and, and prayed with salvation prayer, prayed a prayer to be filled with the Spirit. And our instructions was simply to, as soon as we're done, as soon as we say amen, go by and lay hands on everybody. Lay, lay hands on them to be filled with the Spirit, and then we'd stay afterward if anyone had questions. And so, and so I did that. I'm just ready to go. And they said, amen. And I walked, up to the I walked up to the first person in my row. I put my hand close to him. Before I even got it on him, the power of God rushed through my arm and went into him. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> and he immediately was filled with the Spirit, started speaking. And I just remember thinking, ah, Nice. I had never experienced that before. I had been trained for ministry, but I hadn't done a lot of ministry. And one of the things my mind went to then and since then is that because I was submitted to, connected with that ministry, I was functioning in a grace, in a power that was on Brother Hagen 
as the leader of that ministry. I was basically an extension of his ministry, and so what was on him came out through me. And I thought, oh, there's something here to think about, to learn from, to enjoy, and see how God will bless others through what he connects them to. All right? And that, that grace started working in me. Here's why I want to say that again. I don't mean it's the full extent or it's the full description, but sometimes what's working for us, what's working well in us and through us is at least in part connected to the house God has assigned us to. When he has the grace upon that house, sometimes the grace upon a minister, it, it begins to function in our life as well. And we might mistakenly think, that's just all me. I can do that anywhere, anytime. It's just because I'm able to do that until they get out. If I could get my umbrella to work, push the button. Pastor Bill. And their, their life is good and everything's working well here. And then they come out from underneath it. The blessing of God is still functioning there. It's still protecting people, enabling people. That grace is working there. But I'm over here now. Because I'm over here, it doesn't mean God's trying to get me. It doesn't mean that God's not loved me. I just walked out from it. It's raining out here. It's nothing more complex than that. I don't mean I'm a horrible person. I don't mean that God's angry. I just left the place that he assigned me for the purpose of keeping me safe and protected and enabled to do certain activities. They only work over here. And so it's not about, you know, one person better than another. God gives us activities to be a part of and enjoy for the purpose of doing what he wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Praise God. Would you turn with me to uh, the book of Luke? I realize you can take this analogy too far. I don't want you to do that. Where all of a sudden people say, oh, I missed a church service and now the curse is going to get me. <laughs> don't, don't, be, don't be so legalistic with this, but see it as a guiding force all through your days that, that I need to maintain, or the, the word is dwell. That I need to maintain an active participation, connection with what God is doing. Because his blessing finds expression through the local church. Everybody with me today? And, and, let, and let me say this again. When we know this, we participate. When we know this, we encourage, inspire, instruct others to do the same. Never feel like when you're inviting people to come to church with you that you're asking them to do something negative, something they're not going to like, something they're not going to enjoy. No, just the opposite is true. You have to recognize that God will show himself and be real to people. He'll absolutely be real to them. It's kind of like the concept of, of giving. You know, I've heard, I've heard different pastors say, say things like this. When it's offering time in their church, they'll say something to the effect of, now, if you're new here, you just put your wallet away. This is just for our regular people. Well, all that does is reveal that that pastor doesn't believe that giving is a blessing. Why would you withhold it from people? 
And there's a fear of them thinking, oh, you're just after my money. I understand all that, all that fear. But if you really believe in the blessing of God of giving and receiving, you don't tell people you don't know or that might be offended, don't do this. You tell them, this is available for everyone. You can have God working in your finances too. See, I really believe that when you come here, you ought to praise. You ought to get happy. You ought to study the word with us. You ought to give. You ought to serve. You'll be better off if you do. I mean, in what way would we encourage someone to do something that is going to make them less happy, less fulfilled, less successful in life? How are we advantaged by that in any way? There is no selfish motive in this. Listen, when it comes to things like giving, you know what? Whether you give or not, I'm going to. I'm going to tithe and way more. Whether you do or not, I won't even know if you do. Except for looking at the blessing in your life, maybe. But. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm getting, in other words, God's word will work for me if I do it. His work, his blessings will be in me because I'm in the house. I'm just not selfish, so I say, come on, you guys, do it with me. Let's do this. Do you do this too? What works for me will work for you. God's no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. So believe God with me and get involved. Believe God with me and do what he's called us to do. Luke chapter 2. I want you to notice with me in verse 41. Luke 2, 41, speaking about, speaking about Jesus, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Get a, get a little image of that, a day's journey. Okay, that's a ways. Now, they didn't travel like us, but think about you get in your car and travel for a day. Okay, how far could you get? You could get to the coast. You could get to Las Vegas. You could get, depending on which direction you're going. Think about it. You drove for a day. Where is Jesus? <laughs> And you check the other cars that you're traveling with. And then you turn around and say, oh, I guess we have to go back. I don't know about you, but I've driven 10 minutes away from the house and forgotten something. Or someone in the car forgot something. And that was annoying. <laughs> we got to drive back 10 minutes. That's 20 minutes now. And now we're starting over. Especially if you're on the front end of a big trip. 10 minutes. Okay. They went the whole day. <laughs> you imagine, you're driving through Las Vegas. Oh, we forgot something. Turn around. Okay, anyway. That's very real. We got to see it like it was. Uh, verse uh, 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to, Jer to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. How many are annoyed by now? Whole day back, searching for three days. And he's at church. 
sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Now, again, you would think natural reason to be extremely annoyed and upset. But you can see that they're, they had some humility. Because how many know your 12-year-old does that to them? They're in trouble. Yeah. Right? But their, their uh, softness in the matter shows that they knew God was up to something. Otherwise, that kid is grounded like <laughs> forever. Until you realize he has the ability to ground you forever. <laughs> you are in the corner for a million years. Okay. Verse 49. And he answered, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I want you to catch the mentality that Jesus had being about his father's business. He knew where he was supposed to be, okay? In the temple, doing his father's business. Many translations say, I knew I needed to be in the house of the Lord. The, the Amplified reads, uh, did you not see and know that it was necessary as a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied with my father's business? So, so notice what Jesus is doing. He is elevating his relationship with the Father in heaven above his relationship with his earthly parents. That's the way Jesus thought. He continued that years later when he's in ministry. One day he's in a house. People came to him and say, hey, Jesus, your mom, your brothers, they're outside looking for you. They're asking for you. And he took it as a teaching opportunity. He said, listen, the ones who do the will of God... That's my mom. That's my mother. My sister's my brother. He elevated the spiritual family above flesh and blood family. Sometimes it's interesting how people today will subjugate the work of God, the house of God, the, 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 these blessings for their natural family. Well, I've got, I can't be at church because I've got family things. I can't be a part of that. I can't be a part of the church and what they're doing because, you know, it's my only day off and I've got to spend time with the kids, spend time with the family. Well, you're just doing exactly the opposite of what the Lord did. I'm serving Jesus. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're, you're serving a different mentality. And this is a switch for some of us. It might be even a challenge. I got to take my spiritual family and elevate it above my natural family. That's, that's not disregarding, disrespecting our natural families, but, but relationships we have in here, God sees them as superior. It's a spiritual relationship and it's eternal. And if we will adapt our thinking and, and, and think this way, then we will say, I must be a part of the Lord, the, the, the Father's house. I must be a part of the father's business. More important than, than doing these other family events, I must be about this. This is a must. There's a lot of things, a lot of business people have to take care of. And that's fine. Take care of your business. But note this, the father's business is more important than that. 
Is that a strong statement? The Father's business is superior. Well, I can't come to church. I have to work. Now, hold on. Now, this might be a little gut punch. Give me the umbrella. (laughs) You have to work because the blessing of God is not manifest in your life sufficiently to keep you from having to work. Don't interpret that as we don't have to work at all like work is unspiritual. I don't mean that. I mean the absence of freedom and and prosperity flowing to your life to enable you to serve God fully, to do whatever you need to do and never be restricted by natural business. We want the blessing to be so deep and so wide in our lives that we can do because we have enough money to do it. We're in a job situation that is affording us freedom to do what we need to do. We're not just restricted by rules, by employer you know, rules, or I, ha- I can't miss this day or I'm going to not make my payments. See, that's a bondage that God wants to free us from. It's one of the reasons this house blessing exists because it actually produces good things in our lives. Now watch, I realize there are, uh, there are things being taught out there. There are things being preached that discard or dismiss or even speak directly against teachings of prosperity. But if I can tell you, it's really dumb. It really, it really is, because what they do is take the most extreme example of someone who's money-minded, loves money, and just so uh, covetous and all this stuff, and they, said, and they said, yeah, we're not a part of them. Well, of course you're not a part of them. Why would you be? But then what they're doing is discarding the blessing of God that enables people to get out of debt, that enables people to live in abundance, to be able to give like nobody's business to be able to serve in the church when they want to. Why? They have time. They're free to do it. Instead of, well, I've got to work three jobs. Listen, I'm not down on you. I understand. But there's a blessing that'll pull you out of that. And there is a possibility for someone who has enough and they just become so, you know, work-minded that they don't make time for God because they've got to make their next billion. And that's a priority adjustment that needs to happen. Okay? But I'm telling you, the blessing of the Lord wants to work in so these things become available to you. When I read about Jesus here, I see what he did. I think sometimes the Father's business is inconvenient. But that's a commitment we make. I think sometimes when we're about our Father's business, other people won't understand it. Why are you doing that? Why are you so committed there? Why, why are you, you put so much? Well, it's a revelation. It's a personal knowledge I have with the Father. And they won't always understand. Not everything in life has to happen. Some things must be done. The work of God must be done. Let's give place to that blessing. I wonder sometimes if we're reading this story, I wonder sometimes if we're too quick to head home. What do I mean by that? Too quick to get back to our business. The mentality of finished, done my job, check the box, back to my business. Back to life. 
I see Jesus, he lingered. I wonder if we should do some lingering. Not in a hurry to get back to other business, lingering in the Father's business. That's what takes priority. We read Joshua recently, from Exodus chapter 33, Moses would go into the tent of meeting and the glory of God would manifest. There would be a glory column of a cloud there and God would speak to Moses. And then Joshua was his assistant there. Moses would leave. He finished what he needed to do. And the scripture says that Joshua stayed behind in the tent. In other words, God was there. So Joshua said, "Uh, is it all right if I stay a little longer? Can I stay here a little bit longer? And he just spent time in the glory of God. It was valuable and important to him to linger. Say, what did that produce? You know Joshua, (laughs) he was the man. After Moses was done, Joshua took over, led him into, into the promised land. He fought the battle of Jericho. He became a mighty person, highly successful, a great leader. What happened behind the scenes? He spent time in the presence of God. He lingered instead of rushing back to his friends, rushing back to his business. No, I want to take time because this is the source of every good thing. This is the blessing. This is where it's happening. Amen. Real quickly, what is the Father's business? Well, it's reaching the lost and teaching the found. His business is about knowing Him more than knowing people. I want to develop that relationship. How is that going to happen? I need to have a reverence and respect for the house. I'm not talking about a building. You know that. I'm talking about the work of God. I, rev- I, cons- I must consider it an honor to do what I do. An honor to serve. Not, oh, I have to serve this week. No, I get to be a part. I get to be a part of God's house. His blessings infecting me and affecting other people's lives. It's an honor to serve. I get to. If I'm going to function in this blessing, there's got to be a constant inflow and a constant outflow from my life. God working to me and through me. We never want to become like a swamp where it's just all I'm receiving, receiving, receiving. No, it's constantly in, constantly out. I mean, no, you stay full when that's the process. You're never suffering lack yourself, but it's always fresh. Jesus had this unusual commitment and desire for the Father's business. Not every 12-year-old was doing this. But it does tell me that 12-year-olds can do this. Parents of 12-year-olds, don't think, oh, they're too young. They don't want God. They, they just want pizza. And uh, one, of the th- one of the things I learned when I was doing youth ministry is I adjusted my expectation. And th- the common mentality is you have to, to, to get the kids to come and want to be there. You had to give them pizza. You had to play games. And then you sneak a little Jesus in. I said, no, I'm not doing that. Forget that. Either Jesus is real, either his word is true, either God's alive and powerful and he will work on them inside, or why in the world am I doing this? I'll just go work at the Y. No, so I would, I don't mean we didn't have pizza and play games. I'm just saying that took a back seat. And we treated them, teenagers, like they wanted God, 
like they could experience God, like they could handle a real in-depth message, like they wanted to worship God. I tell you, I'd watch some of those junior high kids worship God like nobody's business. Worship God that I think, oh, the adults need to come see this. Those logs need some of this kindling. <laughs> but there was that expectation. Jesus had this unusual desire, commitment. I think that's somewhat reflective of this house. There is, there exists within the people of this house an unusual commitment and desire for the things of God. It's contagious. It's starting to burn more and more and become like a wildfire, catching many. Uh, I, it, this, this is a good thing. This is something I want. I told you last week about the church I don't want. I do want this church. I do want to be a part of what's going on around here because I'm seeing some of this stuff in Jesus uh, in people around here. And I think if we capture this same mentality, the blessing on this house will become so much more greater, more and more and more and more attractive because it causes people to praise God as a result of being here. Amen. They're still praising Him. Come on. And I want to be one of those. I don't want to be griping on Monday. I don't want to be the average pastor who quits every Monday. <laughs> but the blessing of God continues again and again and again. Amen. Amen. Pray with me today. Father, thank you for working.